From Capital Analytics, I'm Abby Malone, and this is Invest Insights. Every week, we bring you perspectives, business advice, and more from the leading executives, entrepreneurs, and investors who are building, diversifying, and leading the way in the country's fastest-growing metro markets. Real leaders, real insights, right now. Welcome to Invest Insights. I'm Abby Malone. I'm joined today by Dr. Al Magazi, the President and CEO of Capital Health. Al, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be uh, to be with you. Now, we're going to be looking at all these new norms that have been created due to the pandemic. But before we get on the business side, I wanted to start off with the personal side. What are some new personal norms that you started doing due to the pandemic that you know you're going to continue with in a post-pandemic landscape? I actually didn't start anything myself. I was forced into this new norm, which is probably the most exciting part of my life right now, and that is to get a granddaughter. So I was born October 13th, 2020, and I'm hoping to get another one, but Ramona just by herself is plenty for me at this point in time. So I'm just going to continue that norm, spending time with her and trying to enjoy her really. Well, congratulations. (laughs) As the nation becomes more focused on equitable solutions and opportunities for our diverse population in healthcare, the efforts to increase access have taken center stage. From your perspective, what do you believe are the most viable, cost-efficient solutions to increasing access to cost-effective and equitable healthcare for all? And how is Capital Health currently working on being a part of these solutions? That's a fantastic question, and we can talk about that solution in multiple different ways. But just to uh, give you a, uh, uh, an idea where, where our thinking is, for the longest time, you know, healthcare providers have focused on bringing everything inside the hospitals, you know, continue to expand the hospital, continue to provide more services out, out you know, within the hospitals and uh, adding capacity, even outpatient capacity. That is limiting, in my opinion, that is limiting access to care. And, and quite frankly, hospital care by its nature is very, very expensive. So the idea is, how do we create access to care at the least amount of cost? And, and so, that, so we can make this affordable for people. So there are multiple different ways. Now, the, the inner city population versus suburban population, you know, there are two different models. Inner city population, you have to think about transportation. You have to think about socioeconomic issues. You have to think about, you know, education and, and, and the, uh, you know, different, there are different things in, in inner city that you have to think about, you know, to create the access. The worst thing you can do is do nothing and people end up in your ear which is like the most expensive way to take care of people. So we, you need to partner with organizations that are focused on inner cities that are either part of inner cities or want to be part of inner cities, or at least they want to make contribution and create primary care offices, primary care locations. You have to really work very hard maybe to bring internet to inner cities. Most inner cities don't have access to internet, so telehealth, telemedicine, these are the, these are the ways that you can, you can provide care without too much, you know, in terms of a cost, without too much, too, too, spending too much money. You can, you can build clinics, you can expand clinics, you can di- create diversity within your own clinics. One of the areas that nobody's paying attention to is really dental. You know, dental issues cause many other issues, you know, if you, you, don't, you don't take care of them. Hospitals typically, historically, are not involved in dental medicine, but we should really be 
involved in it. So that's another area I just wanted to highlight that. Now, you can take that and really expand it out in the community, outside of inner city, and then the same model, except you know, dealing with a different population. That's the way I would see it. I would take, I would take care, I would take hospital care or health care out of a hospital setting, try to take it out to make it less accessible and less expensive. The toll that the pandemic has played on people's physical health, but also mental health, cannot be understated. Having one of the region's largest crisis centers, what has your organization seen in regards to the state of mental health in the community and its relation to trauma cases that you've seen over the past year? Absolutely. That's an excellent point. The, you know, most hospitals like Capital Health that have locations in inner city are either either have crisis center or trauma center both we have both we have your trauma center and crisis center we, we saw a sharp increase very sharp increase in number of crisis cases and number of sharp traumas sharp traumas are traumas that are caused by either bullets or uh, or knives so you know it's called sharp trauma we see significant increase in those numbers and a lot of it, quite frankly, has to do with the uh, lifestyle that people have in inner city locations. Mm -hmm. So how do you deal with that? You're not going to deal with that by creating more uh, uh, diagnostic ability or more healthcare related things within hospitals. To deal with that, you got to go out of the hospital. You got to deal with social issues. You got to find a way to keep people healthy, to keep people. So, education is important. You know, improving their uh, living structure is important. You know, try and take care of the kids and they're in school, working in schools so the kids don't get involved in gang violence is important. Those are the kinds of things that we have to do. We have to partner with other organizations to create the structure for young people in the cities so that they don't get involved in these sort of situations. The other thing is quite frankly, is poverty. You know, when you don't have money, you're stuck at home in the same spot and you can't go to work because of, you know, pandemic because of, you know, COVID-19. You're stuck at home and you're constantly in that space. And whether you like it or not, you're gonna have, you know, issues. And, and that's another problem. So we got to help people to live better, to bring a standard of, maybe the standard of living should be improving. There's a lot that needs to be done between government, private sector, and, and quite frankly, other organizations may be interested. Combine, do something to help people to actually uh, have better lifestyle. In order to control healthcare costs, there's a lot of discussion around changing the payment model for hospital systems and healthcare organizations. How is your organization currently strategizing and implementing new business practices to lead this charge? And what are the current legislation and regulations that you're monitoring that could have a significant impact? The current legislation, unfortunately, all of those without naming any of them, none of them are quite frankly helpful. I, I, I don't believe uh, I don't believe people understand how hospitals work. So let me just take 10 seconds talking about this. And again, this is another chapter that i like to spend an hour discussing. I'd like to, quite frankly, debate the issue. So by printing or making your charges public, quite frankly, nothing gets resolved because what we charge in reality and what we collect are two different things. Government, government mandates that we cannot have different charges for different people. We have to charge the same 
for everyone. So now that I'm negotiating, I'm being forced into negotiating contracts with insurers. Of course, I'm going to try to get the best rate. When I'm negotiating, that's a business conversation we're having. That's very different than somebody who shows up in the ER who's underinsured. Very different scenario. But I can say if you come to my ER and you're underinsured or you have, you know, less coverage than you should, that I'm only going to charge you X because I know you can't afford it. They won't give me that flexibility. They say if you charge that person $50 for a CT, you have to charge the world $50 for a CT. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. So what they do is they want me to print the highest possible charge mm. as my charge, which is not correct. So what they should do is they should say, you know what, why don't you print, make public the average collection amount, per, for example, for CT scan, the average amount you collect for an MRI procedure, the average amount, you, you know, the amount of collection on average and mandate that everybody does the same thing. And now you will see that you create a significant competition. Because that is a true measure. It's not apples and oranges. It's apples and apples. So the approach they're taking uh, totally does not work. You talk about healthcare models now. You're talking about taking risk. You're talking about bundled payments and things like that. None of those are actually mature yet. None of those are mature. My suggestion is, quite frankly, we need to be teaming up with everyone. Mm. As I said in the beginning of our talk, to take care outside of the hospital, making it available to the public at the least expensive setting, number one. Number two, what I'm focused on, which I think is the most important thing, is an idea of creating a hospital at home. If you go back to previous generations, and even this generation, or previous generation is pretty obvious, nobody wanted to die in a hospital setting. To this date, nobody really wants to die in a hospital setting. The people, they don't want to die in a nursing home. They don't want to die anywhere else but their home. So what does that mean? That basically means that the last 20, 20, 10, 15, 20 years of your life, you want to be at your own home, and most of that time, you're pretty productive, but you're going to need some care here and there. I am willing to take that responsibility, create a healthy living environment, and then adjust the level of care that you need as we go forward. So focus should be on home care, but a different kind of home care, where you actually provide most of the care that you provide in a hospital in a home care, in a home, in a home setting. But I'll take responsibility for changing the structure and also providing care to telehealth, telemedicine, you know, daily visits. All, there are all kinds of technologies available that we can use to, to do that. And now that we find ourselves in this new landscape that's been shaped by the pandemic, what's next for Capital Health? Next for Capital Health is to do something absolutely magnificent. We are building probably the first, the first micro hospital in New Jersey. The concept of micro hospitals are quite common if you go to West, especially big places like Kaiser Permanente and those kinds of places. So we are going to build the first one. As part of Capital Health, my team is working on it. I think we're going to start the construction probably toward the end of this week. Yeah, I mean, this, this year. The idea of a micro hospital is very interesting. It's a very small hospital. It doesn't have an ER, but it's extremely efficient. 
It is a highly performing hospital with the highest possible patient safety mechanism that's in place. It's primarily for procedures and surgical work and, and robotic work and very high tech. It's very unique, but it costs, it costs much less to receive care in a micro hospital than a big hospital. That's what we're doing. There's something between acute care, outpatient care, something in between that I think is going to be fascinating. And you said that this is the first one in New Jersey. Why is New Jersey a good place to start this micro hospital? The first one in New Jersey system is doing it. It's, it actually, this one is in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Got it. And why New Jersey? Why is this a good location for this type of hospital organization? It's a great idea for any hospital anywhere in the United States. It's just that nobody in New Jersey, I don't believe any hospital in New Jersey is actually built in micro hospital. Great. This is the first one. Hopefully we're going to bring one to South Jersey. I'm very excited about it. Very exciting indeed. Yeah, because we'll do the first one, see how this works. And the next one is probably going to be in South Jersey. Because we're, we're, we have a lot of, we do a lot of things in South Jersey and our specialty care, primary care office has already opened in the big one. We are now working on diagnostic uh, abilities there, and then we're going to build a huge outpatient center. It's all coming together. I would say within the next give it 12 months, it will be up and running, all of it. And and then we're looking at probably this micro hospital. I'll invite you to come visit. Well, I would love to, and that's very exciting indeed. You've been listening to Invest Insights. Be sure to follow, rate, and review this podcast to hear more. I'm Abby Maloney. Thank you for tuning in.